With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, sir. It is I, your boy from Bed-Stuy, and I greatly appreciate everybody tuning in for Don't F Up the Crime Scene, where me, special guests, would tune in and talk about our experiences on crime scenes and how to mess up the case. All right? So sit back and enjoy, and holler back at your boy. Holler. What's up, guys? It is I, your boy Bed-Stuy, coming again for Don't Fuck Up the Crime Scene, and I'm Big Time Speakers. We have an awesome guest. We're going to read that out to you in a second. Let's get our newest sponsor out. And it'll be episode 84, episode 84, season three. The Animal Control Report. It's one of my homies, Dan Edinger. And if you want to reach Dan on the podcast, off the podcast, you want to hit him up at his, at his store. And you can reach him at www.keepithumane.com. That's www.keepithumane.com. Dot com, all right? Put it all together. And you get 10% off anything in store when you use his submit a code. That's AC Reports. It's A-C-R-E-P-O-R-T. Okay? That's 10% off. And that's Dan Ettinger at the Animal Control Report. All right. So now, let's read in Michelle Gonzalez. She's going to be our forensic vet. She's going to break everything down. Uh, met her through Dan. Um, she's originally from Puerto Rico. She's a Buckeye. Sorry. Uh, she's Ohio, you know, Buckeye, sorry. Um, <clears throat> that's when she went to uh, vet school and everything back in 1999. Um, she did an internship at Mizzou. Okay. Okay. She went to Mizzou. Okay. All right. She in the house. All right. She wear that black and gold because he's L-E-T-I, baby. You know how we rep them tigers? And um, she went back to Ohio again when I'm going to, you know, master in uh, forensics in 2017, uh, low point in her career. Um, she's the medical director of uh, Rascal Unit. And Dr. G, what's up? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, no, no, no. The pleasure's all mine. Uh, and matter of fact, shout out your podcast right now. What you got going on? I got the Animal Welfare Junction that I started this year. Right, so I wanted to find a way to share education and information on animal welfare issues okay. and involve as many people as possible. So, yeah, I'm having fun. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, and the first time you're on, we don't get into too 
too many deep things, we talk about um, the easy eights. The easy eights, four questions about you, four questions about um, what you do, and we get it in. First question, what's the best thing you like about your job? I love everything about my job, but mostly the people that I work with, right? So I have an amazing staff, and without them, I could not get the stuff that I get done. I do between 30 and 50 surgeries in a day, and I could not do that without the people that I work. So shout out to my techs, my assistants, my managers, because they they keep me going. Whoa, hold on. Let's, let's slow that down. Let's unpack that, y'all. And again, episode uh, 84 for No Fucking Crime Scene. So you do about 30, 35 uh, spay and neuters. Uh, that's cats or that's both dogs, too? That's that's both dogs and cats, and that's 30 to 50, right, in a oh. day. So, yeah, we're doing space and neuters, mostly dogs and cats, occasionally rabbits. Every now and then somebody will bring us a rat or a, a sugar glider or something. But mostly dogs and cats. So we travel throughout the state doing affordable and accessible sterilization and wellness care. I love it. I love it. Because, you know, I think, um, and I get I get a lot of heat on this, I think spay and neuter should be mandatory unless you're a reputable breeder for whatever reason. That's me. Okay? And I, I take yep. a lot of heat. I take a lot of heat on a lot of things because, um, you know, um, some people say I'm old school. I have some things I'm old school about, but I don't mind evolving. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Favorite movie or book? Oh, man, I love so many movies. Like, I love watching TV, watching movies. I can tell you I like sci-fi. I love, like, Men in Black. I like Star Wars. Um, so I guess those are kind of my top two. I like James Bond. I like just about any kind of movie. Books, I don't read a lot. I'm a little bit dyslexic. Um, so I like listening books, and I listen to Stephen King. Okay, so uh, I actually uh, went to Stephen King's house up in Maine one time. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, up in Bangor. Um, <clears throat> he's odd. He's very odd. But, um, you know, I'm a big movie buff. I had a DVD collection about maybe three, 4,000 um, DVDs. Everything is on, um, you know, stream now or, you know, everything is digital now. So I have um, about almost, I don't know, 3,200 DVDs in boxes, and I don't know what to do with them. Um, I'm a movie buff. I like them. I, you know, I have I don't have a photographic memory. That's Christy. But um, I'm one of those that look at a jacket, look at the jacket, read a jacket like that. I remember everything off the jacket. I can remember what the date was, like that. And people are like this, how do you do it? I have a skill that you don't need, okay? And uh, it's, it's just one of the weirdest things. So, um in vet school, what was um, good times and bad times, and um, how many animal uh, anatomy do you know? I mean, best times. I I really enjoyed being in vet school because I wanted to be there, right? I wanted to learn. It was my since since the beginning of time. That's what I wanted to do. So I think that that I learned a little bit out of every class. I enjoyed the whole ride, and I was ready to get out and practice, but you know. I was good to, I was good with the whole thing. As far as anatomy, I do a lot of surgery, so uh, I'm pretty decent in anatomy with, uh, especially internal anatomy, abdominal anatomy, clearly, and I do a little bit of orthopedics and some bone stuff. Who's your friend? Who's my friend? No, no, right behind uh, you. It's about going by the sink. Oh, I see him there. That's Taze. Okay. okay. Named after Jonathan Taze, a hockey player. <laughs> people think that it's so it's spelled T O E W S, right? So people think that his name is Toes, 
because he has white feet. Okay. But his name is Taste. <laughs> okay. Taste the cat. He is an a-hole, so. I, but I, I love him anyway. I have uh, two cats. I went from dogs to cats. And uh, I have to make sure I say I still have my man card because people don't understand guys. Okay, with cats, you know. Uh, I have a, uh, a regular tabby, uh, I guess a little blonde, like that, named Setmet. All my um, passwords, y'all can try to get me if y'all want. All my passwords are Marvel characters and stuff like that because I'm a big Marvel guy. And um, Setmet Set, Set is uh, uh, from um, Black Panther. It's um, one of the um, Black Panther gods. And then um, I have the other one is a Black Angora. Beautiful cat. Beautiful cat. It's uh, named Kansu, which is after Moon Knights and another Marvel comic, stuff like that. I know. I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> what was your most interesting case you had to do as far as being a vet or helping ACOs or ACIs or humane law enforcement? What was your most interesting case you had? So I guess the most interesting case was the last big case that I had because it was the first time I had dealt with dog fighting. Oh. So we went down to South Carolina okay. and uh, I was involved in the field and intake exam with Humane Society of the United States of yeah. taking a uh, dog fighting, dogs from a dog fighting situation, alleged dog fighting situation is still in, in progress. So it's alleged. Gotcha. But yeah, that was that was pretty cool because it was the first time being involved in that kind of a case, being the first time being on the field and seeing it firsthand. So um, let's 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 dove into. We won't go into uh, particulars on the case because it's an open case. Um, mm-hmm. How were the dogs' attitudes when you saw them? Were they happy, jolly, friendly, or were they crick crack? Oh, super friendly mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. They want attention, right? Because people think that pit bulls are these like badass dogs that just want to eat and kill everybody. And on the contrary, like they have to be good with people, especially dog fighting dogs. They have to be good with with the handlers. So they were most of them were happy to be handled, happy to be cared for. There were quite a few that were very shy, but none of them were trying to attack us or bite us or anything like that. So I've I've done a few cases in my time when I was in Atlanta for us dog fighting. And um, it's very similar. Uh, We go out there and we uh, do a walkthrough. Before we do anything, we do a walkthrough and see what we got, okay? Make sure we, A, get permission, have a warrant, stuff like that, uh, or uh, consent. We go on the property and see what we got before we do anything. Uh, For us, pictures, documentation, subscribe, stuff like that. We do all that nonsense. And after that, we say, okay, uh, what's going on? And then we count up all the animals, put the IDs, stuff like that. I'm very meticulous when it comes to that. I I don't want to be in charge, Doc. But um, I'm always kind of the lead person. I'm like this, okay. And I run the show. I'm used to going like this, okay. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I'm, I'm either the safety officer or the incident command. I'm either or. Now, I don't mind doing anything. I, I'm the guy in the box. Hey, I'm a, I'm in the box with far as handling. Uh, you might be in the box for as uh, some, some like documentation. And you might be in the box with a vet and then transport. You know what I'm saying? Because all I know right. is the paradigm of uh, incident command. That's all I know. So when I go out there, I say, okay, what are we dealing with? Where are we at? Stuff like that. Are we good like that? And I prep the team, and we do everything by a whiteboard. I'm so old school, it's ridiculous. And everybody's like this. I'm like, we good? And so one of my sayings is, um, it sounds like Moses in the um, Ten Commandments. I'm like, so let it be said. Everybody's like, so let it be done. Right? You know, I'm one of those, okay? <laughs> and we go out yeah. there, and we just execute, execute, execute the whole time. Good good story. Um 
Favorite food to cook or eat, or both? Uh, well, normally potatoes. I like anything potatoes, but I'm from Puerto Rico, right? So rice, <laughs> beans, and plantains are like the thing. Yeah, okay. Um, no, no, you said plantains. You didn't say plantains. So yeah. I was like, okay, 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 okay. Plantains, yeah. Some yellow plantains, yeah. That's that's where it's at. Now, um, when did you move to the States? Well, not States. When did you move to the Big Island rather than, you know, the, um, Puerto Rico? <laughs> Because I know Puerto Rico is a state, you know. So I went to uh, Michigan State for undergrad in 1992. Okay. Uh, so I did an undergrad in zoology there, and then I went to Ohio State for vet school. So, yeah, 1992, I was uh, 17 years old. Really? Yeah. Wow. Was it a culture shock, or was you, you was like ready to go, ready to come, you know? Oh, I was ready to go. I wanted to. Be, I wanted to be out and be and be on my own. You know, it's, it was it was and it was great. I really I really loved it. Yeah, I haven't been. Uh, I have a um a lot a lot of Puerto Rican friends from um New York. A lot of Dominicans friends like that. So I've never been to the island. A lot of people say you know I hope thing you know when they, when they had the storm and everything it hit um, really bad down there. Uh, some of my boys, Angel Cruz and stuff like that, had to go down there with the moms. They was in the mountains, stuff like that. But um, the one thing about the food, I like uh, Caribbean food. Um, I like all types of food. I don't really care. Healthy or not healthy, I don't care. I try to work it off later. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, that's one of those things. Yep. Um, so the name of the, um, the podcast is Don't Fuck Up a Crime Scene. Have you ever fucked up a crime scene or messed it up? Uh, I, I'm happy to say I have not, but I also don't have a lot of opportunity to mess anything up because I'm part of the walkthrough team and then I'm part of the uh, field examination team. Okay. So I don't really get to, I don't have the opportunity to. Okay. So now I know where you are for a staging. I know exactly where you are. Um, yeah. With us, uh, field guys, when you handle stuff like that, um, after initial walkthrough, and even in initial walkthrough, you can mess it up. You can if you don't know what you're doing, stuff like that. Yep. Especially uh, uh, cats and hoarding cats with cats, mm -hmm. the fractious, you know, and all types of things like that. Uh, as far as the dogs and everything, it depends. It depends, like that. Um, favorite va uh, place to vac vacation or visit? The beach. Kind of any <laughs> beach. I mean, realistically, Puerto Rico beach because the, the water's great, but. To sit in the sand and just get some vitamin D straight up from the sun, that's like my perfect place. Cool beans, cool beans. Um, are you a great teammate? I think so. I'm stubborn, so <laughs> some people may not think so, right? I'm pretty hard-headed. But I, I I, believe in team, right? So my, my staff, we're a team. So we're all working together. So we have a very, very much so a team mentality. So I would like to think that I'm a great leader within a team and I'm a teammate within that team. I like that. I actually like that. All right, last question for the Easy Eights. And after that, we can get to uh, a little discourse going back and forth. Are you a cat person or dog person and why? I am kind of a cat person mostly because they're independent. So I'm gone all the time. And my cats can, you know, I say I don't have cats. I have two roommates. And they, they live in the house and... I come and hang out with them every now and then. So I love dogs. I like big dogs. I like Great Danes are my breed. Mm. Um, mm. But as far as ownership right now, cats are my thing. Right, cool. And that will 
conclude the Easy Eights. Uh, I got again Michelle on Gonzalez on, and uh, let's talk about forensics. What drew you from regular animal um, control, animal sheltering, and you know regular vet life? Or did you ever do pr- uh, private practice? Yes, I did. How was it, and why did you get out of it? So I went from from after graduating from vet school, I went to Missouri and I did the internship in small animal medicine and internal medicine and surgery. And then I went to a general practice and it was okay, but it was, I don't want to say boring or mundane, but it was not super challenging. That's why I got into high volume sterilization because it was more challenging getting things done quickly and efficiently. Um, I've always loved criminalistics. Um, from what I understand, my dad was a cop actually in New York. I don't know a lot of history about that. Okay. But I've always enjoyed crime shows and police shows and that kind of stuff. And growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a vet. So once I found out that there was such thing as forensic veterinary medicine, it was like perfection, right? I can meld criminology and veterinary medicine. So it was, it was just great. Um, and then University of Florida came out with that master's degree in veterinary forensics. So I jumped right on that. And I've had a great opportunity to help with different animal cruelty and neglect cases uh, with both local organizations and then with Humane Society of the United States. So, um, I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate puzzle, right? We have the, the victims that cannot speak for themselves, so we got to speak for them. And it's just, I don't know, I'm having a blast. You know, um, I've been doing this, uh, next year will be, uh, actually 30 years I've been doing animal welfare, animal cruelty, stuff like that. You know, I know I don't look that old because, you know, black don't crack. A lot of cocoa butter, a lot of cocoa butter. <laughs> but, um, you know, as far as the forensics, uh, for the last 15 years, it's been introduced to help a lot of cases and everything. Um, far as you, you going out in the field... And I understand you have your job, you know, you, you, you have the animals like that for us, triage and stuff like that. How do you go about triaging for us, like, I don't know, 400, uh, 500, uh, a hoarding situation? How do you go about triaging and, and looking at the animals and deciding what stays, what leaves, and what, what doesn't? So basically just being really organized, having a good crew, having a good uh, technician to be a scribe, and then doing a very thorough exam. Uh, one of the good things about being a high volume veterinarian is that I know how to get through examinations quickly and efficiently. Mm-hmm. So that helps me out. I don't know if you're familiar with the 4,000 Beagle case from the Invigo yep. facility yep. in Virginia. So yep. I was there on the field yeah. um, helping with that. So, you know, just kind of getting getting through it quickly and efficiently and getting everything written up just so that we can we can give the humane officers something to work off of because I see so many veterinarian reports and so many logs and stuff that are missing important information or missing pictures, missing uh, diagrams and, you know, prosecutors, humane officers, they can't do anything with that. So our job as veterinarians is super important in making sure that there is a strong case built up. So far as um, uh, testifying, have you testified a lot on Stan? I so I have not had to testify yet, and I am so hungry for it, right? So I want to go to court. Okay, and, okay, uh, okay. Right, and, and so far, all of my cases get played out, so I guess that's a good thing. It's a good I'm thing. It's a good reports, thing. It's a good right? thing. 
But yeah, I, I went a couple years ago when I decided to start doing the, the forensics more seriously. I went to Macy's, I got some suits, and I'm like going to look all professional to, to go to court. You're and funny. it's still sitting in my closet, probably don't even fit right now anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I uh, thankfully I haven't had to, to go to court yet, but I am looking for the opportunity. So, you know, court thing, um, to me, okay, matter of fact, let's talk. So, so, so with your... With, with your practice now and what you're doing like that, for the ACOs, do you deal with, a lot with animal control or uh, no? Yes, I do. Uh, mostly because we work, like this, the spay-neuter stuff that we do, we go through different humane societies and different shelters and dog pounds. So quite a few of the hosting groups that we go to are ACOs. Okay. So I have a really good relationship with them. And then Ohio has a a law where there can be an assigned animal prosecutor regardless of county so it doesn't have to be a prosecutor for that for that place they, they can assign a special animal prosecutor so the animal prosecutor has been giving my name out to different animal control officers and humane officers that have cases that are just missing that veterinary part of it for me to to help them build a stronger case from the animal side from the veterinary side so um, I'm trying to get my camera back. I can't get my camera back. I'm trying, but because um, I can see you, just can't see me. Because I was like, "Where the hell am I?" Because I'm I'm dark, but I'm not that damn dark, all right? But um, uh, another thing is, uh, do you does your ACOs help you uh, with identifying the problem that you're looking for? In in other words, do you get cases where um, you say, "Okay, what's going on with this dog?" And they're like, "Yeah, I, I just picked them up." Or um, and it might be a cruelty, but they are sometimes inept and they don't kind of explain everything to you. Because my thing is I try to tell ACO because, you know, I train. I'm like, help your vet, help your pathologist, help them out because they can't look and test for everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I have I have had excellent cases where I get really good pictures, really good witness statements, uh, great logs. Um, I do a lot of consultation where I'm writing a report on animal cruelty based on what another veterinarian saw. So I, I've been lucky to have really good stuff. I also have the complete opposite. I get really shitty pictures, like blurry pictures that I can't tell what's going on. Um, today I had, or yeah, I had somebody say, hey, we need a consult. A dog got shot, but we have pictures that don't show the, where the bullet came in or out. And the body's gone because it happened two weeks ago. Oh. So, you know, so, so stuff left. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Don't go nowhere. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. And we're back, guys. I had a breaker go off. You know how technical stuff happens when you're in your basement in studio. Uh, Dr. G, uh, do you remember you were talking about? I believe I was talking about how ACOs give yes. Uh, information. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 So basically, you know, I have ACOs that are really prepared and are really on it, and they get all the pictures, all the, all the video, they will have all the information that I need, and then I have the complete polar opposite, where somebody will be saying, hey, I need to prepare a report, but we don't have a body, we don't have a dog, we don't have good pictures, we don't have good anything, uh, there's no good evidence, so I've been actually, like, working on trying to prepare a Oh, kind of like a how-to manual for some of the ACOs, like I'll rural send, areas. I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll email you. Um, I have a checklist. Okay. Awesome. 
Awesome. So um, yeah. I believe in checklists. Um, yes. Because um, this is person out there. Uh, I usually say it when in person. We call Ray Ray, and everybody has a Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> woo! <laughs> and Ray Ray needs a checklist. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, one of my one of my guys, he has a we call him Will Will. Everybody, <laughs> everybody has that one person. Like, yeah, I like checklists because. You go against it, you see what you did, stuff like that. If you go by it, you don't miss too much. You know what I'm saying? And um, and even though we get routine, this is me. I get routine. I'm like this. You don't want to misremember or misremember, but you're like, you sometimes you just forget. You know? Right. It's human. But uh, if you have a checklist, kind of can't forget. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm one of those like this. Hey, because I make sure they write the checklist out. Attached to the other form and put it in a folder, and we're good because I'm like ABC, always be closing. And everybody from all the podcasts, I they know they know my vernacular and my terms. Um, they're like they can repeat it. Okay, the thing is, but ACOs, it gets redundant, and sometimes they slip up. Like uh, photographs, we start out and we go in, and um, I mean I make them work. I make them work for the photos, and um. If it's blurry, that's a human error. You should have set your camera up. You know what I'm saying? And I, I you know, and I'm a, I, I'll crack then whip, but I'm like, hey, chop chop. And then when we, I get you in class and we review and everything, I don't point you out too much. I'm like, hey, what we could have did better, blase blase blase. And I'm glad you have a good team, and I, I'm glad you recognize you're great because you have a great team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't do yeah. that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I can. Yeah, not a lot of people can do that many surgeries in a day, but I can't get my stuff done if I don't have people that support me and can keep me going, right? Like, I'm not sedating and anesthetizing and intubating and recovering all my patients on my own. I'm just doing the surgery. So even though I'm doing the more technical part, I'm not doing everything. So my staff is, like, I mean, on it. And we have a really great relationship because we're in a small truck, right? We have a 28-foot truck and we have a 33-foot truck. Hold on, so wait, what's up? Hold on, pa- 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 yeah. stop, stop, stop. You uh, doing this many ahead. surgeries in a vehicle? Yeah. Yes. We have a, a mobile veterinary clinic, right? We have a 28-foot and a 33-foot, and we got a baby 29-foot on the way getting, getting created as we speak. Um, so we have two surgery tables, a prep table, and a bunch of cages to keep the animals uh, before and after surgery. So the patients come in, we sedate them, they go to surgery, and then they recover, and then they go home. So my staff deals with what, 80% of what happens in the truck in the day. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little part of it. So I've seen high volume before. I've seen mm-hmm. table set up, and I've seen the vet move from this animal to this animal, to this animal, to this animal. I mean, it's just back and forth because it's like a yep. conveyor belt, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, yep. everybody's in recovery, for the most part, laying down on a towel, and they wake up, you know, like mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, yep. Um, I've seen high value before, but I just never seen it mobile. Yeah. You know, it's great because we get to travel throughout the whole state. So I believe in accessible and affordable care, right? I, I believe that anybody that needs care should have it. So just because somebody doesn't have the means or it's in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, it doesn't mean that they should not have care for their pets. And also if you can, if you don't have the means, it doesn't mean that you should not have a pet, right? So to me, that's important. So 
that was the that was the whole idea behind the wrathful unit was finding a way to bring the care to people in underserved communities and people that needed the the assistance so it's it's fantastic because what i do is somewhat monotonous right i'm doing 30 to 50 surgeries the same thing every single day over and over and over and over but i get to travel to all these places and i get to see all these amazing people and everywhere that that i go so the the environment changes the view outside of my back window changes uh so it's great it's you know so what the because this commonly known in the hood because i'm i grew up in the hood is food deserts so which what you're doing is uh, trying to extinguish the veterinary deserts that they, I got you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a, um, a group called the Together Initiative for Community Cats. Dan Spihar uh, created a, a list of veterinary deserts for community cats, for feral cats and community cats. So, yeah, we, that's what we try to do is we, we go to places that either lack veterinary care or that they may have veterinary care, but either not sufficient or the the finan- the finances of the community are not high enough to afford a regular veterinarian for care. So we we go in and provide what they need at an affordable cost so that their animals can be taken care of. How much prep goes into um, telling people when you're available? Or how do you get that? Because since you're mobile, how do they know that you're coming? Uh, we've been doing this for 17 years. Okay. So in Ohio, people know what the rascal unit is. Okay. Right? So, okay. Um, we set up our schedule for the whole year, the October of the previous year. Okay. So our whole year, our whole schedule for this year is already set up. But I believe also in cultural competence and knowing, allowing the place that you're going to, to tell you what they need. So I'm not going to be ignorant and assume that I know what each county needs. I'm going to allow those places to tell me what they need. So I tell them what I can do in a day. And then they schedule the appointments based on their needs. Some places need cat appointments. Some places need dog appointments. So some places need the shelter dogs to get done. Some places need the community animals to get done. I'm there to service what the community needs. I can do these many surgeries, just book it up with what you need done. And then we show up, get stuff done, come home, and then do it again the next day. So, question for you, because uh, for ACOs and everybody, and I, get, I appreciate you staying with me, because uh, technical difficulties, episode 84, just a little bit, I got um, Michelle um, Gonzalez on here, aka Dr. G. Um, how do you deal with uh, cultural differences where um, some cultures, like, they don't want to spay and neuter their animals? I think that a lot of that has to do with education. So, I know that there's a lot of Hispanic people, for instance, that don't spay or neuter, but they think that the only purpose for it is for reproduction. So you talk to them and you say, are you going to spay Fifi? And they're like, nah, I don't need to because I don't have a male dog. She doesn't get out. She's always inside. Then you educate them. You spend the time to say, we're not just doing it for population. Yes, we care about population control, but we're not doing it for population. We're doing it for health benefits. We're doing it for behavioral benefits. We're doing it to extend your pet's life. And all of a sudden, you see them go, wow, I didn't know about that. And then they schedule an appointment. So we have to do better as a community, as a veterinary community, medical community, to educate people as to the importance of things. We get too caught up on what, again, cultural competence, right? We get too caught up on what we need, what we think we need, or what we think other people need, and we don't care to understand how to approach other people. 
So education, education, education. You know, uh, one of my, what's on my website, um, we want to uh, educate, investigate, and el eliminate the problem, you know? Uh, and I know um, the new word is inform versus educate because, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, I want to go out there and educate you uh, on what the ordinance is. Uh, you have so many people who come from a different state, different city, do not know the ordinance. And again, when I go to court and everything like that, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse not to know the law. Okay? That's what they say. Right. But mm -hmm. at the same time, yeah. I think if you're a good steward like yourself, uh, education should be uh, paramount. It's like, hey, just in case. And me, I like to talk to the kids and move up. I like to go to the kids, go to the schools, stuff like that, and say, hey, you need um, rabies shots, you need this type of shots, uh, stay away from stray dogs, you know, bite prevention. I try to do all that and everything so the kids will go home and say, mommy, you know, we need to take Fifi, you know, to the doctor because blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, because uh, Fifi can get a disease that will, you know, hurt her. And because you have a lot of old school people, okay? Yep. Um, you got a lot of, you got mange? Is that the mange? Oh, just put some goddamn motor oil on them. You know how it is. Right? You know some burn motor oil. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, yep. I went to one house. I said, what's his name? Oh, he's slick 50. Because that put that um that motor oil on him. He good now. What's his name? Motor yep. one, you know? So yep. you you do your best to educate people. Um and <clears throat> I had a supervisor who said he's like he said, um, you don't you don't dummy down, you know, you bring them up to your level. Now, this is a thing. You gotta be careful with Try to bring somebody up to your level when they're not sometimes competent of your level. So sometimes you have to make it um, simpler for them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, um, you know, I, I really believe in talking to people. And, uh, and uh, you know, Dan, uh, he teaches verbal judo and de-escalation like that. I believe in talking to people and like, hey, it's no big thing. Let's talk and see, see what I'm dealing with. Because if it's a cultural thing, we can work with that, too. Because um, cockfighting is normal in so many different <laughs> cultures, okay? It's normal. So they don't understand, you know, like, you shouldn't be doing this. You're like, they're like, we don't understand. Because they're like, this is normal. Um, um, dog fighting, eh, it depends on where you go. You know what I'm saying? Like that. But putting the dog on a chain, that's normal in the South. That's one hundred normal. Up in Ohio... Is it like they still put dogs outside on the chain and stuff like that? That still goes on up there? So it's not allowed anymore. Okay. So it is okay to put your dog outside for a short period of time. Okay. But not permanently. Gotcha. So, yeah, there are ordinances against tethering. Okay, 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 okay. Yep. Yeah, because, uh, you know, and then to me, I think that's a workable thing where you're like, hey, like you said, educate them for a little while, supervise, bring them in, can't be out there because it leads to all types of behavior. All right, Doc, I appreciate you staying on. We're going to wrap this up. Anything you need to promote, anything you want to say about your uh, podcast and what you're doing up next? Yeah, I mean, Animal Welfare Junction, available anywhere that podcasts are available. We also have a website. It's forensics.vet.vet. And there we post the Animal Welfare Junction podcast, uh, some blogs, some rants. I like to, I like to rant, so uh, some information. But yeah, the, the whole goal of it is we have episodes on everything from animal welfare. I, I interviewed an animal prosecutor recently about cases and kind of about what animal law is. Mm -hmm. um, I interviewed cat people about how to TNR. 
uh, rabbit people about proper rabbit care, uh, legislators, and you know, like just all sorts of different people, different information, so that we can be, be better educated about animal laws and animal welfare. Because you cannot expect people to know what to do. You have to kind of give them the give them the tools, give them the resources, and then if they don't want to learn, then that's their problem. You know, you you can be ignorant by choice or ignorant just by default. So we give them the options, we give them the tools, and then at that point, it's all on them. You know, I, I appreciate Dan introducing us and uh, Animal Junction podcast. Uh, I will promote it. Um, I, I already got your uh, your um, your um, your logo on my website, so uh, I'll promote you. it. So, of course, of course, of course. You know, like uh, like the one thing about me and Dan, uh, we're not haters. Okay. Uh, we might be hated upon, but we're not haters. Um, we go out there and we share. We give a lot of love, a lot of love to a lot of people. And um, like I said, I'm looking forward to coming on your podcast and sharing the wealth. Anytime you want me, let me know. Oh, yes, please. Holla at you. And again, this is episode 84. Don't fuck up the crime scene. This was Dr. G, a.k.a. Michelle Gonzalez. Appreciate you staying on. Talk to you later, Doc. Talk to you later. Hold on, let me right. stop this real quick. And... and that's a wrap. Greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. It was a pleasure. You know, I always have fun talking my stories and all that good stuff. So again, tune in to DFUTCS.com. Don't F with the crime scene. Holler back at you guys later. Yeah.